Thanks for listening. The following is an audio presentation from High Country Christian Church. For more information, please visit www.highcountrychristian.com. Well, I want to continue today a multi-part message that we started last week titled Your Church. So this will be part two of the message titled Your Church. Um, I said to you last week that I was planning on going a completely different direction in the message. Um, I was going to preach on something totally different, had planned to, had, had prepared my heart to and studied and all this. And then at 11.30 last Saturday night, the Holy Spirit couldn't fall asleep. It was raining outside, which normally means that I go to sleep faster. But somehow I was laying in bed not being able to sleep. And I said, Lord, what are you, do you want to say something to me? How many of you know that when God wants to talk, you better let him talk? Amen. Listen when the Lord speaks. So I said, Father, what, what is it that you want to say? And so he began very quickly to unpack this message. And I said, it's a multi-part message. It's going to take a few weeks to get it out. So how many of you are trusting the Lord with me this morning? I've not taught all these things this way before. And so I'm, I'm trusting that the Spirit of God's going to lead. I'm... I'm uh, I, I love to plan. I love to have, you know, an idea that we can run after and say, okay, this is where we're going and this is what the plan is. But I've found that sometimes God wants us to walk by faith. Amen. I, I, those who have preached before, you may be able to attest to this. Sometimes God will change your message while you're sitting on the front row waiting to get announced to come up and start speaking. And it's okay when he does that. Amen. Why? Because we want to hear from heaven. We want to know what God is saying right now to his people. Amen. Are you awake this morning? Okay, good. Pinch your neighbor. Say he's talking to you. Hallelujah. So we want to talk, talk about this, this message which we've titled Your Church. Building the local church together to see the transformation of communities, regions, states, and nations. I said this to you last week. Nothing happens in the nations unless it happens in the local church first. Nothing significant in the, thing to, in the kingdom of God can happen in the nations unless the church be hearing from heaven. Amen? You are God's catalyst of change for the nations. Do you realize that? God's not going to just invade and do whatever He wants to do in a nation. He mobilizes His people to do those things. We, it's, it's interesting to think that God can't or won't do anything in the earth unless He inspires His church to do it through. We have the responsibility of partnering with the Spirit of God to see change happen in the world around us. And it begins right here. It doesn't just happen. I mean, I, lo- I love... Peru. I love One Nation One Day, and it's going to be a powerful conference. How many of you know, if the local church didn't mobilize, stuff like that couldn't happen? Amen. It's got to happen here so that it can happen there. Amen. So we started talking about this concept called Your Church, and I want to do just a quick moment or two of review for those who didn't have the benefit of being with us last week. We talked about the local church. We said that the local church is the most important thing on God's agenda. Sometimes it makes people uncomfortable when I say that, but it's still true. The local church is the most important thing on God's agenda. Well, what about missions? Well, what about this? What about that? What about this initiative? What about that initiative in this program? All that stuff's good, but it happens in and out of the local church. 
So the local church is the primary objective of God in the earth. And we get to take part in the purpose of God when we commit to and partner with the local church that He has called us to. Amen. There's a reason that we called this Your Church. There's a reason that we called this series Your Church. Why? It's because your church is the place God called you to be. And that's where you need to be a part of. That's where you need to be connected. Amen? So... We're taking part in the purpose of God when we commit to His church. We said that the body of Christ does not exist for the local church, but the local church does exist as the expression of the body of Christ in the earth. The, the, the body of Christ doesn't exist for the sake of the church. The church exists for the sake of the body of Christ. Anytime the body of Christ gets bigger, God makes sure there's a church somewhere for the body of Christ to connect and be a part. Amen. Everywhere, you see it all through, the, all through the New Testament. Every time somebody, something big would happen in an area, somebody would start a church. Paul would go up the road to Ephesus and, hey, I found some believers here. You go read about it, Acts chapter 19. Paul finds believers in Ephesus. There was 12 of them. And, and, and Paul said, have you, have you been baptized in the Spirit since you believe? And they said, we didn't even know there was such a thing. We, all we heard of was the baptism of John. See, they were... Technology wasn't what it was, what it is uh, back then. And so all they'd heard was the message John the Baptist preached years and years and years earlier. And so Paul gets the opportunity to fully lead them to Christ, to baptize them in the Holy Spirit, and guess what? Plants a church. Did you know that the church in Ephesus became the world's first megachurch? At the time Timothy took over the church at Ephesus to pastor, there was somewhere between 50 and 90,000 people in the church at Ephesus. So don't get mad at Joel Osteen for having a big church. Ephesus had one a long time ago. Okay? Amen. Don't, don't get mad because I said Joel Osteen. The body of Christ does not exist for the church. The church exists as the expression of His body in the earth. You need to be part of a church. If you're not called to be part of this church, that's fine. Find one. Be plugged in where God called you to be plugged in. It's important for your spiritual development, and it's important for the body of Christ at large. Amen. Don't get me preaching on that. I already preached on it last week. i got to continue. So we talked about the difference between the global church and the local church. The global church is a collection of local churches all together, all across the world, right? There's churches meeting right now in some other city somewhere. There's churches that'll be, you know, there's probably a church service going on somewhere on planet Earth, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Somebody's worshiping God somewhere. You got brothers and sisters in China. You got brothers and sisters in Amsterdam. You got brothers and sisters in Argentina. You got brothers and sisters all over this world. It's called the global church. And that global church is expressed locally. Jesus recognizes the local church. Very, very, very important. If you go read Revelation, I'm still reviewing, by the way. Claire's taking great notes. Good job, baby. I just looked down and she's writing something down. Jesus recognizes the local church. If you go look in the book of Revelation, the first few chapters, Jesus has specific messages for specific local churches. To the church at Pergamos, write these things. To the church at Thyatira. To the church at Laodicea, write these things. See, Jesus recognizes the local church. You may not, but he does. A lot of people, unfortunately, get bent out of shape by experiences that they may or may not have had in a local church. 
I've talked to lots of people that have gotten hurt in local churches before. And do you know what? That happens. That's life. It's not comfortable. It's never fun. But that's life. We get hurt. Why? Because we live amongst a bunch of people. How many of you know this room today is filled with people? This deep revelation, I know. It's filled with people. And people have flesh. And people have think stupid sometimes. Amen. All of us, everybody, you're not exempt. Anybody ever had a stupid thought in their life? Amen. Praise God. No, we're all human. We're all subject to frailty. We all have tempers sometimes. We all say stuff we wish we could take back. So people oftentimes get hurt by one another unintentionally or intentionally. Either way. Sometimes what happens is that people have had a bad experience and so they want to say, church isn't for me. The local church is not for me. But they don't realize the disservice that they do to themselves when they take that approach. Jesus recognizes the local church. You and I should too. And I'm sorry if you've been hurt before. I'm sorry if you've been hurt. I've been hurt too. I've been going to church since I was born. Okay? I have. I was, yeah, technically before I was born, I was in a church. Amen. My mom was on the worship team, pregnant. Okay? I've been there. I've been with you. We don't want to hurt you. And I'm sorry if you've been hurt before. But don't cancel yourself out of the will of God. Don't let offense box you out of what God's best is for your life. Amen? Recognize the local church. Don't become offended. Don't become disenfranchised. Amen? We also said that you are not the local church. We are. Right? That was another thing that we touched on last week. It becomes popular, again, for people who maybe have been offended, it becomes popular to say, well, well, brother, I, I am the church. You know, they, we, ha- we don't see them for six months, and then we bump into them at the, at the mall. And, hey, how you doing? How you been? It's, been? it's been a while since I saw you. Everything okay? You haven't been to church in a while. Well, you know, brother, I am the church. No, you're not. Amen. No, you're not. We are the church. We can't make the argument anywhere biblically that any one of us is the church, although together we are the church. Amen? So don't fall into that, uh, into that deceptive trap. All right. Man, i got to hurry up. Holy smokes. Uh, so that we, said two, uh, oh. we said churches in the New Testament demonstrate five characteristics that we want to demonstrate as well. Uh, we said, number one, a sense of priority and value. The early church prioritized and valued what God was doing in their midst. So much so that the book of Acts says they went to church every day. Amen? Every day. Don't get nervous. (laughs) Somebody said, they're making changes at that church. I don't know. No, don't get nervous. Number one, a sense of priority and value. Number two, faithfulness. Everybody's favorite word, faithfulness. Praise God. Number three, boldness. Number four, endurance. And number five, love. Those five things the early church demonstrated. Now there's more than five. You can go in the Word and find additional things that they, that they demonstrated. But these five are what the Spirit of God pointed out to me. Priority and value, faithfulness, boldness, endurance, and love. We said we covered the first two last week sense of priority and value, and faithfulness. We said from the book of Acts chapter 2 that the church at Jerusalem was a selfless group of people. 
They valued their life together as a church, and because of that, they prioritized it. Right? You won't prioritize what you don't value. All right? Think about that. You won't prioritize what you don't value. If you value hot dogs, you're going to prioritize them. You'll go drive miles out of your way to get a good hot dog if it's something that you value. Or a good cheeseburger or a good insert your favorite food into that statement. What you value is what you prioritize. Hence, this reality. We can tell what you value by what you prioritize. We can tell. It's obvious to the world around us what we prioritize. Amen. I'm going to say something controversial. Are you ready? If you prioritize or if you value jet skis over church, we know it. Right? Oh, man, did you feel everybody get tense in here? <laughs> Just relax. I'm not trying to guilt you into anything. If we pri- Listen, yeah, I am meddling. Amen. It's my job. It's my job. Amen. If we prioritize, listen, if you prioritize, let's say that you're a great checkers player. Say you're really good at checkers. Just so that nobody's offended. I don't want to offend anybody in here. If, if you prioritize checkers, then, we, then it tells us that you value it. If you say, well, I can't come to church today, i got to play checkers. But weren't you playing checkers last week? Yeah, but i gotta, it's just I got to play checkers. What you prioritize is evidence of what you value. And here's the reality. Here's why I'm saying this. Because it's important that we value what God values. God values the local church. He values what He does here. He values what He does at other local churches. This is not an arm-twisting kind of sermon. I'm not here to try to get you to do something except be obedient to what God has said in His Word about the church. Amen? Again, if you're, not, if you're called to be a part of this church, then man, we need you. Amen? If not, go where you're supposed to be and give your pastor a hug and say, what do you need me to do, pastor? Amen? Oh, a lot of great hearty amens this morning. Glad that you're with me. Glory to God. It's important that we value what God values. We talked about Hebrews 10, verse 25 is a lengthy review, but I want you to get it. We talked about Hebrews 10, 25. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. You see, what we forsake, the word forsake there means to abandon. What we abandon, what we forsake, uh, may start out as a once-in-a-while kind of thing, but if we leave it unchecked in our lives, it will become a habit. It will become the manner of some. You see where it says there, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some. It starts as an isolated event. It becomes a habit, if we're not careful. It becomes a culture and a lifestyle. All of a sudden, all those things that we prioritized and gave value to becomes very easy to just jump on that instead of jumping on what God has to say in His church. And you don't want to be there. You don't want to, you don't want to let it become a habit. Amen. There's things I like to do, but I don't like to do them more than coming to church. I said this to you last week. It's not a surprise to my family when I say, 
it's Sunday morning, we're going to church. They don't, you know, bowl over and go, no way, we didn't see that coming. No, this is, this is what we have decided to prioritize in our lives. Amen? <laughs> we said that the word assembling means a complete collection. I asked, do you remember when the U.S. Treasury began reminting quarters? Remember that? Back in 1999, every quarter now had, the, had a state on it on the very back. And my grandmother, maybe your grandmother did the same. My grandmother bought me a map with the little cutouts so that I could collect all the quarters and put them in the map. Anybody else have a map besides me? What happens when you collect 49 quarters and you're missing Montana? What do you have? You have a collection, but you don't have a complete collection. 49 out of 50 isn't 50. What happens when you and I get to the place where we prioritize a bunch of other stuff ahead of the plan of God in our church? We have a collection, but it's not complete because it's missing you or it's missing me. And the real value of the collection is when it's complete. It, it, the complete collection, the value of it jumps up incredibly when it's complete. Amen. What happens when you're not here? We don't want you to disconnect your heart from what the Lord's doing. I'm not talking about when you go on vacation. Okay, I get it. We got to go on vacation every now and again. Nobody's looking for perfect attendance. That's not what this is about. It's about keeping your heart connected to what God is doing and not prioritizing a bunch of other stuff ahead of that. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else that we worry about trying to get done gets done for us by grace when we prioritize the kingdom ahead. Amen? Glory to God. So, I got a few minutes left to preach today's message to you. We <laughs> We talked about, again, that was a sense of priority and, and faithfulness was last week. Today we're going to talk about boldness. Go to Acts chapter 4, verses 29 and 30. Acts chapter 4, verse 29 and 30. Are you doing okay this morning? Are you going to help me preach today? All right. Acts chapter 4. This, of course, comes at the tail end of Peter and John being arrested by the, uh, the Sanhedrin and beaten and questioned uh, for preaching the gospel. They were threatened because they preached in Jesus' name. And after they were released from the, from the jail that they were in, after the, after the Pharisees let them go, the Bible says they returned to their own company. And what is the first thing they do? Have a prayer meeting. Isn't that awesome? They get beat up for their faith. They get told, don't ever preach again in Jesus' name. Now we're going to whip you and flog you. And then they go back to their people. And instead of having a meeting about how can we, you know, how can we disband, they have a meeting to pray. Isn't that amazing? That's the endurance piece. We'll talk about that next week. <laughs> so Acts chapter 4, verse 29, we pick this up. And here they're in the middle of a prayer meeting. And this is what they pray. Now, Lord... Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. How many of you are glad when God answers? When he shows up, glory to God. 
The place they were praying was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak the Word of God with boldness. What are we talking about today? Boldness. Amen. It wasn't a trick question. What are we talking about today? Boldness. It's a key element to the church being who the church is called to be. You and I are called to be bold in this world. We're not called to be timid. We're not called to be shy. We're not called to blend in. Do you realize you weren't called? Jesus didn't say go into all the world and try not to be noticed. Yeah. I, I get a little irritated sometimes when Christianity tries too hard to mimic culture. I have a hard time with that. Not always. Sometimes it's, you know, sometimes it's strategic, and I get that. But sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes we, we try to go into all the world and just, you know, kind of schmooze everybody into the kingdom. <laughs> Like a used car salesman. Well, try Jesus for a little bit. Just try him on. Why don't you take him for a test run? Yeah? You ever, you ever seen that kind of stuff? Try Jesus. Well, let's, let's, you know, let's get in him and go around the block a few times. See if you like the way he handles. If you don't, there's other cars you can try. That's not what we're called to do. We have to recognize that the gospel is confrontational. I didn't say mean, I said confrontational. It confronts sin with righteousness. It confronts sickness with healing. It confronts depression with joy. Whatever the gospel is confronting, it's confronting so that it can improve whatever it's confronting. If you're dealing with somebody who's sick, the confrontation is, you need to be healed and I can help you with that. Right? If you're confronting sin, we're not bashing the sin. We're saying there's righteousness here that's way better than what you're living in. So let me confront where you're at with the answer that God has for the problem that you're dealing with. Can you all talk to me this morning? Amen. The gospel is confrontational by nature. You are never going to get rid of that reality. So the best thing we can do is get comfortable with it and get bold. Amen. <laughs> now, in this verse, they're praying, asking God for boldness. And the result of this boldness is that the Lord stretches out His hand, signs and wonders happen, healing happens, all the, all the stuff that we love to see as good Christians happens in response to God granting boldness to His church. Amen. If you want to see more miracles in your life, be bold about it. Amen. Don't, here, here's some practical advice. Don't stop yourself when the Lord prompts you to pray for somebody. Be bold. Oh, but I don't know if it's going to work. It's not your job to make it work. It's your job to pray. It's your job to witness. Oh, I see this problem happening and I know that I have the answer because of the one that lives in me. And so I would love to help the situation, but I'm a little timid. I'm a little nervous. I don't know that I want to help. What if it doesn't work? What if I pray and nothing happens? You're not the happener. You're the prayer. Amen. You're not the one to supply and crank up the Spirit of God. He can do what you can't do, so you got to do the thing He's not going to do, which is He's not going to invade that person's space. But you can go and be a light and pray. You can minister. You can witness. You can be who God's called you to be in that moment. Let Him do the tough stuff. Let Him answer the prayer. You just pray it. 
Amen. So they said, grant unto your servants. The word grant is the word which means to supply or furnish. Furnish us with something, Lord. Furnish us. Furnish us with boldness. The word boldness here in the Greek means freedom in speaking. Freedom in speaking. Free and fearless confidence. This word is used so many times throughout the New Testament. It's sometimes translated as confidence instead of boldness, but it's the same Greek word. It means, you've heard me mention this before, it means to not beat around the bush, to not use a bunch of words and facts and figures when something simple would be better. There's an old writing technique that, they, that I was taught when I was learning how to write nonfiction. And uh, it, it, the, the old concept says, don't use ten words when two would do. Don't use ten words, be all flowery, when two would get your point across much easier. That's boldness. Don't beat around the bush. We do this all the time, especially when it comes to sharing our faith and witnessing and being bold the way God's called us to be. We beat around the bush with people. Well, you know, brother, I just, you know, I mean, if you think about it, if it, in light of recent discoveries and blah, 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 and we just beat around the bush and never come to the point. We have to come to the point of confrontation so that God can minister in that moment. The Bible says, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. What do you have to do to lay hands on the sick? You have to lay hands on the sick. Don't, be, don't beat around the bush. Well, brother, do you know that, you know, I mean, God's a merciful God and he's the black... And just beat around the bush. Lay hands on them because that's the moment of contact where God wants to do something that you can't do. What does it require? Boldness. Freedom in speaking. Fearless confidence. Boldness is what we're after. Go with me to 1 John 4. I have a few points to make and then we'll close. First John chapter 4, verse 17. First John 4, 17. You doing okay? Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as He is, so are we. In this world. Glory to God. As He is, so are we in this world. Make it personal. Say this. Say, as He is, so am I in this world. One more time. As He is, so am I in this world. You say that enough times, you believe that it will get in you. And when that reality that as He is, so are you in this world, when that reality gets in you, something happens. Something that you couldn't manufacture happens. Boldness starts to rise up. Look at the Scripture. Love's been perfected among us in this. 
that we have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. The same anointing, the same power, the same glory that rested on Jesus is living and abiding in you right now. When you get a real understanding that that's the truth, you'll start to act a little bolder. You'll start to do things you were afraid to do before. You'll start to say things you were afraid to say before. You might have been, you know, you might have been facing something in your life and you wanted to speak what you really wanted to happen. Maybe you were sick in your body and you wanted to say, by Jesus stripes I'm healed, but you stopped yourself because boldness just wasn't there. You start to believe this verse and boldness will be there. You won't have to cook it up. It'll be there. Why? Because as He is, so are you in this world. Right here, right now. That's not someday for heaven. That's right here, right now. Boldness, here's the point, boldness is the result of understanding who God is in you on a personal level. Boldness does not come from you understanding who God is in me. Oh man, missed a good chance to say amen there. Boldness does not come as a result of you knowing who God is in me or your favorite preacher or somebody that you look up to. Well, God's really good to so-and-so. God seems really big in this person's life or in that person's life. Or, oh man, God must have been huge in Billy Graham's life. What God did in Billy Graham don't mean a hill of beans compared to what He wants to do in you for your life. We honor what God did in Billy Graham, but God's got something He wants to do in you that's significant. You know why God did such big things through Billy Graham? Because Billy Graham let Him do it. Billy Graham partnered with what God had put on the inside. Billy Graham decided to go with God. You want God to do bigger stuff in you? Agree with what His plan is for your life and start to live it out. And all of a sudden, boldness will rise up. And someday, somebody will say, man, God's really big in Brandon. They'll say about you the same things you say about Billy Graham. If you'll just be bold. If you'll just believe that as He is, so are you in this world right here, right now. There's a plan, there's a purpose, there's an anointing, there's a calling on your life. If you'll agree with it, if you'll partner with it, if you'll say, yes, Lord, I want to do that thing you've called me to do, then all of a sudden you'll start getting some boldness. And man, you won't have to crank it up. It'll just be there. Did you ever, did you ever see, I'm trying to remember what movie it was. I think it was Homeward Bound way back in the day. Some of you weren't even born yet. <clears throat> Homeward Bound, I'm pretty sure it is, where they, uh, where they see like a mountain lion. Is that Homeward Bound? And then like uh, they, I forget how it all happens now. It's like the baby bear is standing in front of the mountain. I don't think it's Homeward Bound. Maybe, I don't know. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. There's a scene in a movie somewhere where there's a little bear that stands up in front of a mountain lion and the mountain lion wants to eat him and the bear gets all big and tough and mama bear is standing right behind little bear and little bear thinks he scared the mountain lion away but it was really mama bear standing behind him. You know what I'm talking about? What does that little bear possess? Boldness. Not for the sake of little bear, but because mama bear standing behind little bear, little bear can be bold. When you realize who lives in you and how big he is and how great he is and how powerful he is, and when you realize the same spirit, not a counterfeit spirit, but the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, you'll stand up like little bear. 
Amen. Puff your chest out, devil. Don't you dare come knocking at my door. You're going you're gonna to get hurt. Amen. What is that because? What is that because of? It's because of who lives in you. Because you realize that as he is in this world, so are you. Boldness is the result of understanding who God is in you on a personal level. Boldness is the courage to overcome fear. Look at the next verse. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. He who fears has not yet been made perfect in love. Look at the relationship that love and boldness possess. Or yeah, look at the relationship love and boldness have. Boldness is a fruit of the love of God being in your life. Wow. Boldness is the fruit of love in our lives. Love will make you bold. When you realize that love has been shed abroad in my hearts, the love of Jesus is here, and it's driving fear out of me, and the only thing that's left is boldness and confidence. Amen. Man, alive, this is good. Boldness is the fruit of love in our lives, and that love will make us bold. Notice that these two things are connected. A lot of times people exercise what they think is boldness, but it's just being mean. Right? Boldness, uh, you know, boldness has love as its emphasis. Rudeness just attacks things in other people's lives, calling it boldness. Amen. Boldness never attacks sin in somebody else's life. Boldness boldly presents the answer to sin in somebody else's life. Boldness never attacks somebody's weakness. It offers strength to replace that weakness. It's always connected to love. Boldness causes a person to become strong internally. Go to Psalm 138.3. You handle a few more minutes of this? Okay. Psalm 138.3. Psalm 138, verse 3. This is amazing. Amen. It's coming on the screen. That's all right. Check this out. In the day when I cried out, you answered me and made me bold with strength in my soul. Wow, what a cool promise. What a cool promise regarding boldness. Boldness will make you strong internally. It'll make you strong internally. In the day when I cried out, you answered me. How did you answer me? You made me bold with strength in my spirit. Let me, let me say it to you this way. Boldness comes from a strong spirit. And boldness will give you a strong spirit. When the boldness of God comes in, it will strengthen you on the inside. And the stronger you are on the inside, the bolder you'll be on the outside. Amen. You'll have the boldness you need to speak into a situation and do it with love. And do it in a way that doesn't cut people up, but encourages them and strengthens them and builds them up. Boldness is the key, but it comes from a strong spirit. Amen. You can't be weak inside and be bold. 
if you're weak inside, what you think is boldness will just only ever be rude. Selah. If you're taking notes, write that one down. If you're weak on the inside, what you think is boldness will just only ever come across as rudeness. It'll just cut. It's true. But when God gives you his boldness, it strengthens your spirit. It comes from a place of security and strength and understanding of who God is in me and who God is in you on a personal note, on a personal level rather. Amen. Boldness causes a person to become strong on the inside. Now go back to Acts 4. We'll conclude here. The first scripture we talked about. Acts chapter 4, again, verse 29. Look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. The early church understood that boldness would be essential in order for them to fulfill the Great Commission. Boldness was an essential piece of the puzzle for them to fulfill the Great Commission. Why is that? It's because they were dealing with persecution. They were dealing with people who were contrary to them and opposed to them, right? Look at how this reads. I want to make this final point and then we'll close. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. Look at the beginning phrase of that, the very first few words. Lord, look on their threats. Look on their threats. They didn't say or they weren't asking God to make the threat go away. They were asking for more boldness. I want you to think about that for a moment. They weren't asking God, Lord, make the threats go away. Lord, make the, make the Pharisees stop hating us so much. Lord, make the rulers stop picking on us so much. They didn't ask for that. These are New Testament, you know, New Covenant Christians. Good, strong. I mean, the Apostle Peter is in this group that's praying this prayer. Right? He didn't say, Lord, st- please stop the bullying. Stop the bullying coming from the Sanhedrin, Lord. Those guys are mean. Every time we say Jesus loves you, they put us in jail. Lord, stop that. Cause that to stop. They didn't ask that. They said, Lord, our boldness has to come up. They said, Lord, our boldness has to rise to meet and exceed the level of the threat that we're facing. If you're going to be successful in fulfilling the will of God in your church, your boldness has to exceed the threat against your comfort. Your your boldness has to exceed the threat against your ego. Your boldness has to exceed the threat against what looks comfortable and feels comfortable around you. You and I have got to get to the place where our boldness comes up beyond our fear of people's opinion. Come on. Our, our boldness got to get beyond what people think about us. I don't give two rips about what you think about me. I mean, I love you. I really do. I pray for you. I love you. I'm here for you. But I don't care what anybody or their mama thinks about me. 
my sole job, my, my, my goal is to do His will. To be bold in what He's called me to do. And, and, and if there's threats against that, if my ego gets tested, if my, you know, when my character comes under attack, when whatever comes against me that's going to come against me, it's my only goal to stay bold and say, Lord, let my boldness rise above that thing that threatens my ego or that thing that threatens my comfort level. Let it come above, Lord. That's what I'm after. My testimony's under fire, God. I'm not going to ask Him to turn down the darkness. I'm going to ask Him for strength and boldness to crank up the light. We don't run around yelling at how bad the darkness is. We shine the light into it. The Bible says in John 1 that the darkness shine, or the light shined into the darkness and the darkness could not comprehend it, could not overcome it. What's in you is so much greater than the threat of what's against you. Your boldness has got to rise up so that you can outshine the thing that's coming against you. That's what the church prayed for. Lord, look at their threats. Look at them, Lord. The threats are getting worse. The darkness seems to get darker. I don't care. Give me boldness to shine brighter in the face of persecution. Give me boldness to shine brighter when my ego comes under attack. And still do it in love. Still do it with a smile. Still do it with a God bless you. Jesus loves you. We love you. Your life counts. Oh, they talk bad about you in the supermarket. Who cares? Oh, they t- somebody thinks you're doing church the wrong way. Who cares? Boldness, boldness will make a lion out of a weakling. (laughs) Boldness will take a, a weakling and make him a champion. Peter was afraid the night before Jesus was crucified. He was so afraid to be associated with Jesus that the Bible says he denied the Lord three times in front of a girl the age of my daughter. He was so threatened by that little girl's opinion, by by what that little girl was saying to him. It so threatened Peter. And he had no boldness. He fell to pieces. Denied the Lord angrily three times. You know the story. The rooster crowed. Peter wept bitterly. He said, I failed the Lord. Then something happened after Jesus rose up from the dead. The disciples were out on the lake and they saw a man on the beach cooking fish. And they recognized it was Jesus. And Peter, the Bible says, jumps out of the boat and swims to shore. History and, and, and the, um, the... what we know about that time period suggests that Peter was probably naked because they used to fish naked because of how hot it was on the Sea of Galilee. And Peter, despite his nakedness, without fear, runs to Jesus. Jesus looks at Peter and says, Do you love me? Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. He asks a second time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you, you know, you know that I love you. 
Feed my sheep. Then he asks him one more time, Peter, do you love me? Peter finally just says, Lord, you know everything. In other words, you know everything there is to know about me. I can't hide anything from you. My frailties, my imperfections, I denied you three times. Peter denied Jesus three times, so Jesus restored Peter three times. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Finally, he said, Lord, you know all things. Not 45 days later, Peter's in the group in the upper room. 120 people packed into a room like this. No windows, no doors. Seeking the Lord, praying, Lord, what do we do now? What do we do now? All of a sudden, there comes from heaven a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it fills the whole place where they're sitting. And upon each one of them appears tongues divided as a fire. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues. And Peter, the Bible says, this, this upper room experience spills out into the streets. And Peter stands up amongst them in the face of the same people he denied Jesus in front of just a few weeks earlier. In front of all those same people, in front of all those same priests, in front of maybe that little girl was there that day. We don't know. In front of that same group, Peter stands up, anointed by the Spirit of God, and preaches a message that causes 3,000 people to get saved in one altar call. Boldness will make a champion out of a weakling. Boldness will take a Jesus-denying guy and turn him into the world's first mega-evangelist. Boldness will take what God's deposited on the inside of you and bring it to the surface at the right time so that somebody can find Jesus. Why did they need so much boldness? Because they faced such persecution. You and I face persecution every day. We face the opinions of men. We face what's convenient instead of what's important. We face fear all the time. What do you need? You need boldness. Grant unto your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. Stretch forth your hand to heal that signs and wonders may be done. Lord, if we're going to change this community, we need some boldness to do it. We can't fear what people think. They were surrounded by hostility. Their answer was for more boldness. But God knew that they would also need something to go along with boldness. The, the, the companion of boldness. You know what it is? Endurance. We're going to talk about endurance next week. Let's stand up to our feet. We hope that this message inspired you and filled your heart with faith. If you would like to visit our church, check out www.highcountrychristian.com for service times and location information. Thanks again for listening to this audio presentation from High Country Christian Church, where Jesus loves you, we love you, and your life counts.